If you are new with us this morning, I realise I didn't say hello. Hello, my name is Noah. Uh, if you are joining us for the first time online or in the room, it is lovely to see you. Uh, we have some little connect cards. If you would like to get to know us as we would like to get to know you, please come feel, feel free to grab one of these from the back from one of our friends in the high-vis jackets. Um, but yeah, now we're going to do some stuff about Harvest, I think. It's always fun. So, yeah, just briefly, uh, in a moment, we're going to welcome Steve and Liz and Lily. Uh, very welcome this morning, but hold back on that. Um, and uh, later on in our worship time, we, uh, we have all kinds of responses as a charismatic church, and often our responses are what we've just been doing, praying for one another, welcoming the Holy Spirit. We, we've got no other way, really, no plan B, other than saying, come, Holy Spirit, we need you. Um, but also, as well as moments in the room, uh, there is faith and obedience and practical action. And this is our Harvest Sunday. And um, we, uh, in, as part of our response later, we'll just share with you for a few minutes some of the very practical responses that we can take um, if we really do say that we love Jesus and love one another and love this town of Crawley and the 120,000 within 10 minutes drive of here, most of whom don't know Jesus, many of whom will be in real struggles for all kinds of reasons through this winter, not just the cost of living crisis, but outside of Jesus crisis, which is a pretty spectacular one as well. Uh, if we really do say that we love them and care about them, then there's some practical action that ordinary local churches like us get to engage in. Um, as we say, come Holy Spirit, he helps to speak to us. So uh, in, in our kind of worship response um, a little bit later on, I'll, I'll share with you some of the harvest pledges that we're asking you to make this morning. We're doing all kinds of things around uh, the church and, and the community center and cafe that we run here. Uh, and uh, from this week, you'll see some of that as you go down the corridor for tea and coffee in a few minutes. We're an official warm space. That's good news, isn't it? Uh, we've got coat rails where you can leave good quality coats so anyone that needs coats, blankets, scarves, hats can just come and help themselves. We've got a scheme in the cafe so that anyone who needs food or drink can have it for nothing if they can't pay without feeling any shame or embarrassment at asking. That scheme also means that people like you or I that may be able to contribute a bit more into that scheme can do so as well uh, with joy in our generosity. Um, we've got collections going on for combating period poverty. Um, there's all kinds of other things happening as well, um, particularly partnering with Easter team and food, uh, the, the food bank in Crawley. Um, for us, uniquely, um, one of the things that, that we can do um, with our kitchen and our team here is to provide some uh, healthily cooked meals to go along with the Easter team uh, food parcels that they deliver. Uh, at the moment, there are over now 100 parcels a week uh, for families that are referred to them, and they would love it if we're able to supply them with some, some community freezer meals that are healthily cooked, that go in their freezer, that they can then give to those who've been referred to them that really need them. So there are going to be some opportunities like that as well uh, um, that, that we're involved in. And, and later on in worship, I'm just going to share some of the pledges. I won't go through them all in detail. Bless you. Um, but uh, for me, it's, a, it's not a response of getting out my diary and, and, uh, and logistics in thinking, oh, how can I help? How can I serve? It, it's a heart response of worship saying, Lord, in the same way I give my money, uh, or in the same way I might serve in a small group or, or, or come ready to serve on a Sunday, God, even if I just got one hour a week, imagine what we could do together 
to serve Crawley out of your love and compassion and see how you might build bridges into people's lives. So that, that's what Harvest Sunday is about this Sunday. If you've brought a tin of beans with you, brilliant. We can give it to someone who needs it, and I'm not knocking that at all. And there probably will be times where we collect food and money and all kinds of things. Uh, but we're really look, looking to call the church, mobilize the church to action this morning. We'll keep talking and praying about this in the weeks ahead. And actually, this started in the summer in some of our prayer meetings um, and then appeared on a whiteboard near you uh, and then got prayed into more in some of our prayer meetings through the weeks of prayer uh, in September. It's birthed in prayer. It comes out of the heart of Jesus for a lost and broken town. And today we get to begin to mobilize and take some practical steps. Can I hear an amen, please? Amen. amen. So watch this space later on in worship and we'll, we'll do some, some pledges uh, together. Uh, tonight, 6 o'clock, for those who want to find out more about baptism, we've got a short Zoom. Um, and if you don't already know about that and aren't already coming to that but want to or know someone that you think needs to, then you can get the link from me and I'll see you on the Zoom later. And uh, next Sunday, we have some more baptisms of people who are following Jesus. That's great news, isn't it? Okay, I thought that was a bit of a county cricket whoop. Um, and I love county cricket, but come on. Uh, next Sunday, we've got some baptisms of some more people who are being followed Jesus. There we go. So, uh, with having said all of that, it's so wonderful this morning to have some of the Burston family with us. We've really appreciated uh, Steve and Liz and their family as they've come into Crawley five years ago now. They've just celebrated five years. Uh, they've come in to, to kind of replant, reestablish St. John's, and now other churches as well. In fact, you're, you're now, I was going to say you look rebranded. Um, you're rebranded. You both look amazing. <laughs> Um, and uh, now Church Crawley, uh, not just St. John's, but other Anglican churches around as well that are being revitalized through the ministry of these guys uh, and their team. For us, it's a real joy as a local church to have a church like St. John's that have come in uh, and have brought momentum to all of us. We love their faith. We love their heart to partner. We've learned so much. We, we've kind of hung on to their coattails and all the love your neighbor stuff um, over the last two or three years as they've pioneered and we've said, hey, um, we've, I feel like the, the, the boy with the, with the lunchbox uh, it, where Jesus fed the 5,000 say, hey, hey, St. John's, uh, here's our, here's our uh, loaves and fishes. Uh, and wonderfully, Jesus has multiplied it as we've partnered together. So we love these guys. We really appreciate their friendship and their care and their prayer for us as well. Can we, why don't you stand? We just want to welcome you all. Stephen is and Lily. Um, for having us here. It's so exciting to be with worshipping with you um, in a different space, in a different church. Um, love St. John's, of course. Um, but uh, the last time I was here was at a unity service um, hosted here uh, with Love Your Neighbour following the uh, Rungatwick. Um, so I've perhaps, I'm perhaps not looking as red or as fit um, this morning. Um, but it, it's so great to be um, partnering with you, especially with my Love Your Neighbour hat on. Um, I wear two hats, uh, one St. John's and one, one Love Your Neighbour. And, and I know I've met uh, many of you through Love Your Neighbour and all, and all measure of things over down at the, at the, the drop-in hub with the Easter team. And... Um, 
oh yeah, so so many things. Love Christmas and also the Lighthouse Project. Um, uh, working with the Lighthouse Project here, um, doing Christmas Explored, Easter Explored, so many things, and I just love. Um, and that's just a sort of a, a, a dip, dip sample of all the ways um, that we are striving um, with the help of the Holy Spirit to, to unite as churches together, not only churches, but um, Christian uh, organizations such as the Lighthouse, the Easter team, who, who are all, all ecumenical. And um, it's, it's really, really, it's such an exciting journey, uh, challenging along the way. Um, but uh, yeah, with the Holy, help of the Holy Spirit, we can, oh, we can just do so much more. We are so much stronger together. Thanks, Anna. I had and I failed. So yeah, so we now have some Peters and some Richards and we're just seeing what God is calling us to do there. But we could never, we turned up and had no idea what we were doing, uh, but through the love and partnership of all the other churches in Crawley, somehow Love Your Neighbour came out and we've got 26 churches working together. So incredible. And that's testament, and as I come to in my sermon a little bit, uh, quite a lot to you guys as you stood straight as COVID hit. You stepped in and enabled us with seed funding to really take that to the next level. So it's a huge thank you for what you guys do, faithfully turning up, serving in this place. So I'd love to open with a bit of scripture. It's always good, isn't it? Uh, so we're going to look at, strangely enough, uh, John 6, uh, verse 1. And I'll read, read on. I'll just read a bit. Some, some might come up. Yep, Great. So some time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. So people were gathering around Jesus this time. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. He wanted to have some withdrawal time, some time when he got away and refilled. However, uh, Jesus went on the mountainside, sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? They asked this only to test him, for he'd already gone in mind that he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed those who were seated as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets 
with the pieces of five boli loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, through my spoken word, as we examine your written word, may we experience the living word, Jesus Christ our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So what I want to talk about as you go into your harvest is what we're talking about at St. John's this time, is what you do to, as a countercultural moment in a time of scarcity. And that's to have that countercultural moment of generosity. If you read the news, the FTSE 100 index, if you ever look at it, and I only did this week to prepare, it's gone 23% down. The interest rates have gone up. Petrol has gone up and down and stabilising. Fuel prices and energy prices are rocketing. The pound is weaker against the dollar. If you look at some of the psychological statements being made at the moment, 40% of people are worried about their finances. Two to three people in Britain think that they're stretched in their finances. And funny enough, unsurprisingly, the poorest are the hardest hit in this. They'd probably score 100%. And this is all on the back of uh, the covid pandemic and the fear that is in this nation. Yet in the midst of the mess, we as Christians have a countercultural message that just blows that away. To be generous in a time of scarcity. Our generosity is a miracle today waiting to happen. If we give God what we have, he does so much more. But we're not giving him what we have because it's his already. And so we are on the side of a miracle. That's what I believe. I think as the churches gather together, it goes back to what it does best, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ and serving and loving the poor. That is our call for centuries, and we go back to it again. This is a radical message of no matter what, no matter the inflation rates or the interest rates, God has this, and he has us. And so generosity is in the very character of God, of his church and of his followers. It's very much in his character, it's in our character as followers of Jesus, and it's in his church, both here and both across the churches in Crawley. Generosity should be in our hearts. This uh, story from John's Gospel is a story very close to my own heart. It is the one miracle that appears in the four, all four Gospels. It's the feeding of the 5,000. It's very close to my heart because it spoke into our calling out of the police service. So I was a police officer for 20 years in the Met Police, uh, leading the London Crime Squad at the end, but felt very cool to come out of that into church leadership. It was going to four churches, four different churches, as we distilled that message over a month. We went to four different churches, and each one of them preached on feeding the 5,000 and said, you feed them. By the end of it, even me and Liz thought, oh, this might be a message for us. And, um, and then as I came into leaving theological college, I kind of went back into it in a prayerful style and thought, imagined myself as being one of the um, disciples distributing like, the uh, bread and loaves out to the 5,000. And I found myself in prayer get quite annoyed. And sometimes when you get angry or annoyed in a prayer, it's like quite good to press in with God and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guided me into it and said to me, Steve, why are you annoyed? And I say, well, these people are seeing Jesus in the flesh. And then these people are listening to a sermon from Jesus and they're having a miracle done in their hands. 
And guess what? Not all of them came to follow Jesus. I was like, I'm really annoyed. But I felt God quite clearly say, as we came to Crawley, said, Steve, just preach about Jesus. Show them Jesus, and I'll do the rest. Don't you get wound up by what's happening. And so that's what we did. So it's very close to us. And I think as we go into this time of... um, scarcity the world is preaching and we have this different message of generosity that we preach as Christians I'm coming back to this story again and it's teaching me some new lessons before we unpack it I'd love us just to have kind of these kind of thoughts in our mind as we read this passage again firstly maybe read it with these lenses everything we have is from God all of the stuff that we sit clothes we wear the money we give it's all God's and it's for him so it's all from God and it's all for God it's where generosity starts and ends so our time our giftings and our money or as one American preacher would say is time treasure and talents every second every moment every penny is God's I've struggled with that. I can tell you about my story of giving. So when I was a non-Christian, Liz's family's very good Christian missionaries from Kenya, and so they, she met this very non-Christian policeman, uh, PC, and she brought me home and they started taking me to church, and I thought, this is a bit strange. And then I would be absolutely gutted when I found out I had a 20-pound note in my pocket rather than a fiver. When they get, went around, I thought, oh, no. I've just put 20 quid in, damn. And then suddenly uh, we came uh, to faith in a big way and suddenly I started going to church a lot more and I thought, yep, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm not going to give 10% or give tithing to church. I'll buy the church something. So I bought a lawnmower. And I said, oh, there you go, they're going to have a lawnmower. And I bought a big coffee percolator with my police wages. I was like, yep. And guess what? Every time I saw that lawnmower and every time I saw that percolator, I went, how are you looking after my lawnmower? And how are you looking after my percolator? There wasn't really a generous, sacrificial giving. I was just going, oh, look what I've bought for the church. And then there was a moment when I got promoted up and started giving a bit more, and I started going to Ashington Church in West Sussex, which is where we came to faith, and started going to the church, and I was giving, giving my 10%. I was looking, I was going, so what are you spending your money on, church? And then as we went on and we stretched into this adventure that is generosity and giving, we found that we just give to, who we, to leaders that we really, really get behind. And we just give. And that's our journey of generosity. And I think that's what we're calling back with our time, our talents, and our treasure. Because it tells me that I know everything I've got. My girls, one of which is here today, the two are away studying, are from God. And I hand them over to God all the time. I do it with my time. We do it with our uh, money. We do it with our giftings. It's when I get called up by St. Catherine's Hospice and they ask me and say, Steve, at like four o'clock, uh, three o'clock you know, in the morning or it can be just, just as we go to bed, there's someone dying. Can you give them the last rites? I know it's a different thing, but I go and I sit and I give my time because it's from God and I give it. So it's all we can do is how we serve and how we give. Second thing to have in mind as we unpack this story is we obviously told in uh, Matthew's don't store up possessions. Store up experiences of an adventure with the Holy Spirit, not things. Store up experiences with the Holy Spirit, not things. 
It's not the size of the house, the car, the holiday you go on. I've seen a few people possessed by demons in my time. I've seen far more people possessed by what they possess because they put more stall in what they own and what they do or their identity. Our identity is often in what we do, a job, a house we live in, a car we drive, a holiday we go on, or the size of the church we lead, or the group of ministry we're a part of. Don't store up possessions. The third thing I'd love us to sort of read this passage through is, you make a living in the world by uh, what you get. You make a life following Jesus about what you give. So you make a living in the world by what you get, that's how the world preaches to us every day. It's what you get. What do you get? But you have live, live a life following Jesus about what you give. Our world often looks at what's important in life is how much you earn, your income, and how much power do you have. How many people serve you or listen to you. That's what success in the world looks at. I know because that's what the path I was before I became a Christian was about. It was about the next rank. Uh, it was about the next time. So we had to make a decision as a family, as I did 20 years, as I became an acting DCI, was I was going to go after the next promotion and the next promotion, or was I going to take a humongous pay cut and become a church leader? And I know what the right decision was because our life has been transformed by it. The, how much you make, how many people serve you, is exactly opposite in the kingdom of God. The greatest of all is the servant of all. The greatest of all is the servant of us all. So success is not how much we earn or how many people we uh, serve you. Success in the eyes of the kingdom of God is how much we give and how many people we serve. How much we give and how many people we serve. So there's a couple, there's a number of others I could go on about, but I won't wish you on. But let's look at John 6. So thinking about our generosity, our generosity here today, here at St. John's, here at St. Peter's and Richard's and all the other churches, our generosity and what we choose to serve our time, our talents and our treasure in, that is the other side of God performing a miracle with power of the Holy Spirit pouring out what we've given. Verse 5, when Jesus looked up and saw the crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall... We buy bread for the, these people to eat. He said this only to test him, for he had already had in mind what he was going to do. I've got a bit of a confession to make about things. There are moments as a vicar, and I took my lead from Martin Johnson, who used to be the England rugby captain that won the World Cup and was then the coach uh, for the England rugby team. I once was at Twickenham, uh, an international in the car park, and my family saw Martin Johnson. And as we went like this... He then put his hand and started to put, go on the phone and walk away. I've subsequently learned that he probably wasn't on the phone. It's actually a tactic not to talk to us. Are there moments in your lives that you go out shopping and there's a moment you see someone and you go, this isn't going to be a short conversation? <laughs> Is there anyone ever put their phone up and gone, oh, or gone, or just avoided down an aisle? Because I have. So that's my confession. It might be an indicator of sometimes of where my heart is, that I'm too busy to be interrupted, too busy to be inconvenienced. The problem is that for me, is I found that the divine appointments I've had 
are always when I'm interrupted or made inconvenient. It's never in a program. It's never in a schedule. It's always those moments when you are walking around the corner and go, I've really got, oh, hello. And suddenly God's there and he's working. So it's all those moments, those divine moments happen. One of the most things we need as Christians to be is generous with is our time. Our time to serve, to love, and to love others. It's this in this story as we read. If I'm Jesus in this story, I'd have probably walked away, withdrawn, and prayed. But Jesus didn't. Do we know the context of the story? Jesus has just found out that John the Baptist has been killed. His cousin, his friend, Jesus is grieving. He's done a load of stuff with like the, and he's got this paparazzi group following him. He is being pushed and pushed and pushed. Did he try to go the other way? No, what he does in his grieving, he sees the crowds. Two gospels say it like this way. He was moved with compassion. Jesus didn't duck down an aisle like I did or put a phone up like Martin Johnson did. Jesus stopped and saw. Let the pain of the people that he could see also not be overwhelmed by his own pain, but step out and love people again and again. You see, this overwhelming radical companion, uh, compassion is what Jesus is all about. It's what he's calling his church to be about time and time again. He's not, he's not impressed by our rebranding. He's not impressed by our programs. He's not progressed by our property. Or he's impressed by having radical disciples of him following what he has called us to do, which is to preach the good news of his son, Jesus Christ, and love his neighbor as himself. Time and time again, we read that in the Gospels. You see, the people we're gathering aren't even people that particularly care about Jesus. They're seeing what the uh, miracles are, but they're gathering around to see what more this man, Jesus, can do. But Jesus can't not care about these people. Jesus can't not care about you. Jesus can't quite care about me. Because he cared, we are called to care. Because he cared for each and every one of us compassion he particularly cared for those he didn't agree with we live in a culture nowadays of fight with words and battles and arguments or flight we live in a church that either fights or flights and i'm not saying that the gospel is key to being raised up on certain issues and that's certainly where st john sits but it's also not time for a church to shrink back and hide this is a time to gather people we disagree with around a table. Helen Mickey, who are part of our church, and I'm sure there's people here, have a spiritual weapon. And I call it a spiritual weapon because it's the weapon of hospitality. It's a weapon where you gather people around your table. You pray and you care and you bring them around your table and you talk and you hear. Francis Schaeffer once said that the gospel, best way to evangelize was around a table with 55 minutes of listening and five minutes of truth. When people feel listened to and seen and heard, I think they open their hearts up to the gospel. We said it in scriptures and in Proverbs, it says that if we prepare a table, that their people will open up their hearts to him. 
we read it in Hebrews as well, don't we, about then we uh, have hospitality to strangers that on occasions we do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, someone who have done this, have entertained angels without knowing it. I love to hear what you're doing here with hot, uh, the coats. They're all stuff that we go, oh, wow, of course. About the cafe, about the warm spaces. You're creating a space where people will be seen, heard, and loved. That is generous. And I thank you. I thank you as another church leader in Crawley. I thank you on behalf of people who live in Crawley. I thank you on behalf of the people we walk down the street. Every day, as I walk to work past the hostels and see the need that is in this town. Homelessness is increasing in this town. Croydon, I found out, as I walked and listened to the people's stories who are arriving in this town right now, Croydon has become a particularly unsafe for homeless at the moment. There's a high percentage of attacks. We are seeing probably four or five new people a day, which never happened in Crawley. There's probably eight or ten, with my police head on, that we've had. It's not got a major homeless issue, but we're seeing it rise right now, the last few days. John 6, 6. I love this, that Jesus is a test, but already knows. He already knows what the answer is. He's just seeing where Philip's heart is. Is he going to be a heart of what I haven't got or the heart of what we have got? And I love that because it reminds me again and again and again. God has this all under control. He has this. The Lord reigns. Sandy Miller, the uh, vicar that started HBB, that's not as well known as Nicky Gumbel, but he's the guy that started it, would say in staff meetings, as everyone would go, oh, what about this? What about this? Got this. And he'd slowly say, in his rather middle-class posh voice, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Do not worry. The Lord reigns. And we do that. So we, we sort of pray and we press in. We pray hard. And we know the Lord reigns. But we roll up our sleeves and go but we're going to do our part. We're going to do our 2%. If the Holy Spirit's doing 98%, that's not a biblical, theological thing, that's just an illustration. We're going to do ours. And so we're going to roll up our sleeves and see. And so we see that then Philip's answered him. It would take me uh, more than half a year, eight months in some translations, wages to buy enough bread for everyone to have a bite. I can see just Philip being a bit like my treasurer and our finance team that come to me quite often and go, on their calculators going, Steve, you ain't got enough money. I said, oh, we have, haven't we? And they said, no, no, you haven't got enough money. I said, well, we need a big deficit budget because we believe in a big God. <laughs> so that's what we press into. And I could see Philip sort of, uh, sort of adding up on his spreadsheet and his budget. And then it's what we believed at St. John's and uh, difficult uh, trustee meetings sometimes. But we all get there and then we get behind it and go, this doesn't add up, but we're going to go for it anyway. And so a bit like, as I said, when I left the Metro Police and we looked at our finances and we looked, I had three uh, teenage children and uh, Lily probably weren't teenage at the time, but uh, two at those sort of age. And we looked at our finances. Uh, Liz was giving up work as well. I was giving up work as well. And we looked at what the Church of England gave as in training. And no matter how many times my lovely wife, who looks after the finances, you'll believe, um, kept on looking, it doesn't add up. It doesn't add up. This doesn't add up. We're not, no, we haven't got enough money. It doesn't add up. doesn't add up. And then suddenly, after two years of training, we came up. And we don't know how. We don't know. Uh, we do know how. But for the miracle of God, everything added up. 
And I think that's the economy of God, is we can do the preparation, which I think is really crucial. I've got my budget meetings this week, which every church leader loves, uh, this week for next year. But we're going to go out and look at it, and then we'll say, actually, what could God do with the little he's given us? We've got to do the due diligence, but then we've got to step into faith. Because if we can do the mission with the God God's provided us, it isn't his mission, it's our mission. We can only stretch out and step in faith with a faith-filled mission. So I know that's your hearts. Every time I meet with Stephen Cairns, they just inspire us about how they step out time and time again. You see, as a church leader and as a church, we're desperate to be generous. And sometimes that act of generosity breaks that stronghold, that spiritual stronghold of greed. So if we set out straight away to give way over our 10% of what our church would give and start stretching towards that 20% and 25%. That's our aspirational. Um, but just to say that Philip's probably standing there going, this doesn't add up. This doesn't make sense. But Jesus knew the issue. You see, Jesus knows always that money and finances is an issue of trust. It's a heart issue. It's how much we trust and how much uh, faith we have in him it's not because it's so intricately linked because it's said so many times in the bible it's linked up jesus speaks about money more than anything else because he knows that's where as matthew's gospel would say our treasure can be in money and so god doesn't need our money because he's the god of all resources what he wants is our hearts that's why they're linked he is the god of a thousand cattle on a hill he has all the resources in the world. What he cares about is not our money. What he cares about is the heart of a giver. And that's what we've got to press into again and again. What I love uh, about when we started Love Your Neighbour is Steve rang up and said, we've had a meeting. We're giving you so-and-so thousands, tens of thousands of pounds because we just want to get behind you. That is incredible for a church leader to do that. Because guess what? Church leaders, and he's a runner, isn't he? He likes his sport. He's got a little bit of a competitive edge. <laughs> and I, as a former cricketer, before I became a policeman and loved my rugby, or if you ever played a game with me, I've got a competitive edge. I think as churches give to each other and give to new plants and give like you did, that throws that away because it's not about the name above the door. It's about the name above all names, Jesus Christ. And so that's what we found. That's what, what, I, what you gave us, me and Liz, in that moment wasn't money. You gave me a piece of your heart. And that mattered in a very difficult time. What you did is gave your heart, which was a generous heart, into the mission of this place, Crawley, which you've been here much longer than we have. My connection with Crawley goes back to the flying squad days as a detective sergeant when we crashed through the level crossings uh, back in 2000, late 90s, on a job. That was the last time I was in Crawley before I became a church leader. But you did give us a piece of your heart when you do that. And you've given us a piece of your heart by every volunteer that volunteers for Love Your Neighbour. That generous serving of time. Everyone, you know, I, I get the blessing to be a trustee on the Easter team. And to hear what you're doing there makes me sing. I'm lucky enough to be a trustee on the lighthouse. And I hear and all the stuff that goes on here. You are a generous church. And me and Liz would just like to say on behalf of our church at St. John's, thank you. You have given time and time again. 
And I tell you, that really mattered when we hit COVID. And we had this big need. The council were coming in. We are getting funding from um, HDB, but it was, had to be match funded. So your £20,000 that you gave to us was £40,000 overnight. And I just thank you. I bless you. So I've got to go back to my notes. I walked a bit too far over there. It keeps us humble when we share in the mission of God like this. John goes on. Another disciple, Andrew Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small baked loaves and two barley loaves and two small fishes. But I wonder how far it would go among so many. I've kind of gotten the assumption that the disciple hasn't taken it off the boy. I've gone down the assumption that the boy is freely giving it. He gives his five loaves and two fishes. We read it, we gloss over it, but if you've got kids, this is a big deal. This is the miracle before the miracle, because a young kid is willing to give up his lunch for so many. I read, as I prepared this week, the introductory to property law from toddlers. It's a property law how toddlers might see it. The first law is, if I like it, it's mine. The second, if I, have, if I can take it away from you, it's mine. The third, if it looks nice, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If, I'm, if you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay it down, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> this boy is a generous giver. He gives everything he's got. His generosity was the other side of God's miracle. The boy realises it's all from God and all for God, and he gives it to Jesus. We're in an anxious time as a church in this country, and we are called to be the light and the hope, none more so than in our Christmas services. We're excited by Christmas because we get in a way to say something different, don't we? Something different to what the world is saying right now. We get to have light, have joy, have peace, be miracle as we read, you know, if we read 2 Corinthians, we'll come to a little bit in, in a moment, is that's a church of Macedonia that is under great trials. If you look into the commentaries, it may be because there's so many women in that church that actually they didn't have any funding. And so they have real trouble. In it. And the letter of St. Paul talks about um, them not having been poor, yet they step up and they're excellent in their giving. In a time of absolute desperation, they choose to give way and beyond. First, the church, the Lord, as the Lord's work in their place. So first the church, so the tithe isn't dealt with, but then they give in above and beyond to other missions. That's what the church is being called in this time from. We have been blessed in the last week from £2,000, £2,500 gift from Crawley Baptist Church, from their giving. They've given us a piece of their heart as well. Just for love your neighbour, not for St John's mission, as in the uh, church thing, but to St. John, uh, for that. So we've been really blessed I think as we go in to this service, uh, to this Bible reading, we see that actually God's sums look very different. When everyone had uh, enough, he said to his disciples, gather all the pieces that are left. And what's gathered is 12 baskets, which is a sign of generous, abundant giving. Our sums go five plus two equals seven and one lunch. God's gave Sums go five plus two feeds 5,000 
remain a 12. Doesn't make sense, does it? That's the beauty of this one generous gift. Five plus two uh, equals 5,000 remainder 12. It's what he does. God shows off, off when we give what we've got. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we kindle in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. Our prayer at St. John's is that throughout the churches of Crawley, each one of us take a step, a step towards excelling in giving. The Greek word, as I'm sure many of you are wondering, is perisiso. It means to give above and beyond, abundantly. So what are we saying at St. John's? And it might be helpful here, but might not be. So what's of God? Keep what? What's not? Is we're looking at our giving once more. I think that's staged. We want to be spontaneous givers. We want to be like the boy that has bought his lunch just to eat and then go, all right, I'm going to give this. We want to be like, uh, I did a, f- a funeral the other day and got given some money in an envelope, which doesn't normally happen, I have to say, about the funeral. It's from a big family in Crawley. But as I went around the corner, I saw a need and went, oh, no, this wasn't for me. This was for someone else. We want to have that spontaneous giving where we get uh, to smile. There's some things we've done in the past as a couple when we've gone in and seen a young couple at a table and we've just paid the bill and just gone out and just watched from afar and seen the confusion as they've just been generously given to. Or we've gone in and seen the bill on a coffee that we've had and we've doubled it for a tip. So we just want to be those spontaneous givings because I find it's, a, it's, like, it's, like, it's like a game of giving. And we get to join in what the Holy Spirit is prompting us to do. And it's exciting. And it's just, yeah, maybe that's that competitive side again. But it's like we're in a game and we just get to play with the Holy Spirit and just with what he's given us. And we just see that. The second way I would say is, as many of you do here, is to give consistently. To go back to time and time again when me and Liz gave the tithe and have seen that as being so fundamental to our marriage. Is that we give generously to the church without all those things I've talked about, my stage of journey. I don't, I just, now I get to lead that part of the church, so I am in that conversation. But when I was a member of the congregation, we just gave. I went to be a policeman in London, trusted our leaders there. And now you look at Ashington Church, it's just taken off because of the faithful people that led that. And so, thirdly, we also, I think it's a time to like, proportionally look at our giving. So we are constantly saying as a couple is, can we stretch our giving? Can we stretch our giving? And so the 10, 10% tithe is just like not a legalistic thing. That's just the starting point. But we want to give joyfully, sacrificially, and generously. And that's like looking at percentage each time. And that's something that we've gone on an adventure with as well. And then we want to give radically. We want to look at the good news of Jesus. Two fish, two widow's mites. Apparently a widow's mite was a small brown cord, no bigger than the head of a, a razor on top of a pencil it was if you were going to put it into equating wages it was worth six minutes of time so this widow gave 12 minutes of time you've got the good samaritan giving two denarii what these people and jesus is showing is that these people gave everything they gave radically they just gave their all 
And that's what we're called as Christians, is to look at the woman with a jar of nard. And as she breaks a bottle over Jesus, and it pours out amazingly, everything there, Jesus knows she's given everything. Because he knows in a few weeks' time, he's going to break not a bottle, he's going to break his body. And he's going to pour all his blood out for you and me. And so he gave everything. So we have an all-in kind of thing as Christians is, we know where we're keeping something back. I've spoken to a worship leader this morning saying, how many guitars do you really need? <laughs> he said, I really need that one. But, um, but we know where we put stall in and where we don't let Jesus in. Jesus, when he says about trusting him with money, he just wants our heart. And that's sometimes where it begins. So you may never have given before. You may have given for years. I think it's time and time again for the church to step forward, as the church of Macedonia did, as Paul writes in a letter to Corinth, is to give radically, obediently, as disciples of him. And so that's where we're stepping forward into St. John's. I don't know if that helps at all. I don't know if, Steve, that's what you were looking for in any shape or form. But what giving does is take us back to the cross. What giving does tells us that our past, present and future, our time, our talents and our treasure, our hearts, souls, minds and bodies are all his. When we gaze at the cross, we realise what he's done for us. And then we go to the resurrection and realise the power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in us. And when we go to the ascension, we realise that that's been poured out by the Holy Spirit and Jesus lives in each one of us. And when we look at someone... We pray that we look with the eyes of Jesus and we see someone that is fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. No one is beyond the worthiness of the cross. Everyone deserves to know about the cross of Jesus Christ. And we've been blessed by the, everyone's journey in Crawley recently. It's Shane who got baptised a couple of weeks ago at St John's. has begged outside McDonald's for eight years. And because Christians have stopped and spoken to him over that period, been generous with their time, generous to buy him a coffee, his life's transformed. And it's been not just one church's story, that's been hundreds of, church, hundreds of Christians in churches across the town being involved in that life, and he's transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so thank you. So just as I finish, I think it's about surrender. It's about surrendering afresh our lives to Jesus again and again. So I think it's about 